Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. One Broken Cog, the MVP, that's most valuable podcast. And that's because the man is back. And no, I'm not talking about myself. I'm referring to the sales master himself, Mr. Dave Kale. Now, Dave is back on the show to discuss all things sales and, of course, the need to take responsibility to improve yourself during turbulent times. Dave, welcome back. Well, thank you, uh, Brian. It's, it's always a pleasure to be here. Definitely. Well, i got to tell you, this is your fourth time on the show, which is more oh, than you wow. had anybody on. So you have the distinguished honor of holding that record. Well, cool. That's cool. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the feedback has been amazing. The listeners love you, Dave. And i got to tell you, Thanksgiving is in a few days. And I am thankful for our relationship, Dave. And I'm honored and excited to be here with you today and for our future episodes. Well, uh, more power to you, uh, Brian. And, and uh, I'm certainly be uh, anxious and eager to, to spend that time with you. I love it. I love it. Now, Dave, since the last time you were on the show, I know you've had a few things going on. You had a, did a couple of keynote speeches. You were involved in some faith summits. I know you have some more things coming up. Maybe you want to just update the audience with what you've been up to since the last time we've had you on the show. Well, uh, yeah. So um, I guess I've, I've, I've done, uh, I think, two or three uh, summits, uh, you know, video summits, which I guess is a, it's a relatively new thing. And um, both of them, or, well, all, all of them were on the subject of faith in business, you know, or or expressing your faith through your business. So that's, that was, uh, you know, that, that's really interesting. And also an opportunity to talk with different people on, on that issue and uh, be interviewed. So that was, that was great. I've had a couple other interviews in podcasts in addition to this. And I'm working, you know, and I, I spent a lot of time, uh, Brian, uh, writing, you know, I write uh, an article almost every week and I do, I do two podcast shows. We have three e-zines. Those are electronic publications that we send one to salespeople, one to sales leaders and one to Christian business people. So, so, you know, my, my plate is full with just, with just regular stuff. Wow. I love it. What a great problem to have, right? <laughs> now, I know, Dave, I saw your webinar. You released this a while ago, but you re-released it. It was about turning a crisis into an opportunity. Yeah. And I know you have a personal story of how you did this in 2001, and it literally multiplied your impact. Yeah. But we'd love for you to possibly share how you accomplished this. Um, and I know you teach others a process to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So this is going to take me a few minutes to tell the story, Brian. Is that okay? Oh, no, I love it. The floor is yours. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you, you know, uh, first of all, uh, the circumstances that we're in right now are, are not, uh, in some ways, they're not the first time that we've been in something similar to this. And uh, so I'm a veteran of, uh, you know, the oil crunch in 74 of uh, President Jimmy Carter's stagflation, 18% inflation, and then uh, the uh, 9-11 a disaster and, and then a few things since then. But it's but it was the 9-11 disaster that, that really I want to talk about. So here was the situation. So prior to this, I'd spent, uh, I, you know, I had a staff, we had an office, and I think I had seven uh, people at the time. And most of my time was spent speaking at conventions and uh, national sales meetings. And uh, I used to tell my used to tell my staff if if I'm here in the office, we're not making money because the only way we're making money is I'm out on an airplane going someplace. And then, of course, uh, 9-11 hit. And I don't know how many of your listeners were, uh, were in business then, but it was, it was really devastating. Everything canceled. And we went for two or three weeks, and every phone call we got was a cancellation. 
and you know, uh, conventions would cancel. I'm mean, not just my speaking engagement, but the whole convention was would cancel. And so we got to the point where we had virtually no income coming in because that was that was our income. And I, I had to give my staff notice. And I said, everybody, guys, uh, November 15th is the last paycheck I can make. After that, I'm sorry. You know, we just, we just don't have any business. And then, that, and then that occurred to me that, gee, there's, like, we've got to do something. You know, we just can't just sit here and let things fall apart. So I began, uh, so, you know, I'm a, so I'm a Christian, so I prayed about it, and I, I believe I got, I got an answer. And the answer was this. Salespeople still need, still need training. As a matter of fact, they probably need motivation and inspiration more today than ever before. So the need is there. The problem is nobody wants to travel. So can we, can we do something to bring training to them in a way that's reasonable and acceptable and still gives them a, a little jolt of motivation and, and education and inspiration? And at that time, this is before, this is before webinars, this is before uh, you could see one another on, on a, uh, through the internet, but uh, phone seminars were just, were, were a thing then, but they weren't really a big thing. And a phone seminars, you know, you, you just do the seminar over the phone instead of over video, but same, same kind of thing. But uh, they, were, they were few and far between, and they were expensive. It, it would be nothing to pay like $300 for a one-hour phone seminar. So we said, you know what, let's just, let's just, uh, and one, one thought led to the other here. We said, we've, we've got to bring training to people in their, in their offices because nobody wants to travel. How, how can we do that? And, you know, I said, well, why don't we do a phone seminar? Okay, so we'll do a phone seminar, but we've got to bring it at a reasonable rate. So let's take all the costs out of it. Let's take all the human being involvement out of it. We'll post, we'll post a handout on a website. People can go to the website and download it. So we don't have to send it. I mean, these were the days when you sent stuff through the mail. You know, we're, we're not going to send it. We'll have them sign up and pay by their credit card. That's the only way we'll take it. So we don't have to create invoices and collect and so on. People will pay over the internet and we'll do it at $99 a, a pop and we'll call it TGIFNK. And that meant, thank goodness, it's Friday and Kale. And so we launched, we launched uh, this new concept and it was, I mean, nobody was doing anything like this. This, we were on the cutting edge, you know, we were the first people doing this. So we launched it with uh, TJF and K uh, on Friday afternoons at noon, one Friday a month. And then I repeat it at three o'clock for the West Coast people. And we just created a, a, a list of topics that were appropriate for salespeople. And they would uh, sign up and uh, typically, uh, and the sign up was for a group. So uh, we did a little research and we discovered later that there's uh, an average of seven people per, per site. So uh, they'd sign up per site, they'd download the handouts and the time came, they'd put up me on a speakerphone and there would be Dave talking to them, working them through the handout and uh, brown bag and lunch and listen to Kale once, once a month. And you know, we started out uh, thinking maybe, you know, maybe we can, we can do some good here and turn this into something. And the first month we had 125 sites and it and it grew from there, so we did that. I did that for ten years, and it it really was the uh, uh, the thing that built the rest of the business. Because that soon soon when when people started traveling again, maybe two or three years later, we started doing uh, public seminars, and I went around the country doing what we called then Top Gun seminars all over the country for salespeople, and I do half day for sales managers. And uh, the business just, I mean, just, it, it just expanded just rapidly. And, and for the next 10 years, it's, it's what I did. I did TJF and K seminars on Friday afternoons. 
lots of public seminars during the week and the public seminars generated a company speaking engagements. And so, you know, a company would send two or three people to the seminar as a, as a little taste, you know, and they'd come back and say, okay, let's call Kale and have them come to speak to our group. And, and uh, that was, it was the, uh, that was the uh, thing that just, uh, you know, it was a shot of, uh, shot of uh, steroids into the business. Wow. So it had a significant impact on your business. It really resonated with people. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. So you took downtime, you took a crisis, turned it into an amazing opportunity for you, and you've never looked back, and you've created a system for others to do the same. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about the system that's available for people to take advantage of. Because right now, I mean, we're looking at possibly another lockdown, some more downtime for people. Yeah. Well, we have, we have a, a couple different uh, offerings. Uh, one is uh, we we have evolved training to the point where it's it's something e- even better than just training. So you know we start we start out with with uh, what we call sales training, but it's it's a it's a bigger thing than that. We have a we have a methodology for delivering content that we call immersion. So first of, first of all, if if we have a group of people, a sales force or a team that wants to improve, and of course that's something we're going to be talking about today then there are ways to do that that are better than others. And we believe we've, we have evolved over the years the very, very best way. And it's, it's uh, first of all, outstanding content. It's content that's been proven over the years, evergreen content, for you know, the best practices of business-to-business salespeople. So that's first content. Then the method that we deliver it, here's, here's how it works. You sign up and uh, the uh, the programs are several months long. In, in, in several cases, the, system, the sales systems program is 16 months long. Each month is a module, and each module works like this. On the first week, you get an email from me with a link to a handout that you download and a, a video that you watch. The second week, you get another uh, you get another email from me with a link to a podcast or a blog post on the same topic. The third week, you get the same thing, another email from me. So we, it's, we, we drip out the content every single week, keeps it top of your mind. In the exercise, in the, in the first uh, uh, handout, there is an, always an application exercise. We don't care what you know. We only care what you do. And so we're going to ask you to do whatever we're telling you to do. Then the fourth week, so, so you got three weeks to practice whatever it is we're talking about that month. And then the fourth week, now your manager has been getting everything that, that uh, you get, and he gets a, a special email in the fourth week with a set of questions. And his job is to pull the people together in a, uh, in, in a phone call, conference call, or live meeting, whatever, and basically ask the questions. And that we call that meeting the AEF meeting, and it stands for Accountability Encouragement Follow Up Meeting. And the and the questions are designed to uh, you know help you um, uh, sort of debrief the application and what it is you learn. Share some of that with your colleagues. Help one another learn, and uh, and take it to the level of changed behavior. Again, we don't. I don't care what you know. Who cares? No, you, as a salesperson, you're not paid for what you know. You're paid for what you do. And so, so our whole focus in this immersion program is on getting you to do things differently, do things better. And then, so, so that's a module. Next week, the whole thing starts all over again with a second related topic, and uh, we just we just get uh, results that are far beyond anything. Honestly, anything I anticipated. You know, we had a we had a. Um, Oh, an $80 million company uh, increased sales by $20 million <laughs> during the time that they did this. 
We had another one president called me and said, you've transformed the culture in our organization because we, we instill a culture of continuous improvement, you know, because you're doing it every week or yeah, every week. And uh, we, had, we had another one, a uh, guy that uh, we had on video, he said, you've increased our business fivefold. Fivefold. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So, so, you know, that's it. And, and uh, it's amazing. It, honestly, it's, I, I am amazed. I, I really never thought we'd get those kind of results. But we're actually, we're actually changing culture, changing people's attitudes and so on. That's beautiful. What would you say to those business owners out there that would say, you know what? I love this concept. I just don't have the time. I can't carve out any time to be able to take something like this on. What would you say to those people? Well, it's like anything. Everybody knows. We all know this. We just, we just push it down and, and refuse to admit it. And that's this. You have time for the things you want to do. So, if, so this is from, uh, from a manager's or executive's perspective. This is an hour once a month. If you don't have time for that to improve your, your sales force and improve yourself, then, then you know, okay. But <laughs> I'm sure you can get an hour. You know, it's an hour once a month from, from your perspective. So, uh, if, you know, if you want to improve people, you got to put time in it. I mean, that's, there's no simple way. There's no shortcut. You don't, you don't ooze into it overnight, you know, when you're sleeping. You have to put time and energy into it. And, uh, you know, we've got it down to a science. We know how to do this. That's right. Absolutely. Now, I know, Dave, recently you had a keynote speech about the need to take responsibility to improve yourself during mm-hmm. turbulent times. Maybe mm-hmm. you want to share some of the learnings from that uh, keynote speech and best practices, because right now people are experiencing downtime. We have a little bit of a Thanksgiving holiday coming up. The holidays are coming up. And of course, the lockdown is happening. What do you think? What is, what is something that somebody can do to improve themselves during these times? Well, uh, so, so, you know, the first, the first thing is understand that uh, you can improve yourself and you should improve yourself. So, so the, the starting point is, uh, is what I call accepting personal responsibility. And that means you can't, you can't just sit around on your hands. You know, you, can, you can't wait for somebody else to come into your life and fix it for you. In, in today's world, you have, to be, you have to be proactive. Things are changing so rapidly. You've got to be committed to changing yourself as rapidly as the world is changing around you. And if you don't, then you're going to be left behind. You're going to be obsolete. It's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be fun. So, so the first thing is accepting, accepting your responsibility, personal responsibility, to invest in yourself and grow and change and, and become, become more, achieve more, do more. So that's, so that's one thought. Sec, second thought is what I call, uh, you, you've, got to, you've got to somehow or other, if you don't have it already, you've got to acquire what I call the more mindset, M-O-R-E, more mindset. And what is that? Well, it, it just says that you understand at a really core level, that at, at the level of your, you know, your worldview, that there is more. There, there is, are there more sales? Yes, there's more sales. There's, there's, more, there's more money to be made, but that's just part of it. Not only is there more money to be made, but there's, there's more to become. You can become more than you are. You can achieve more. You can impact more. You, yes, can you make more? Yes, you can. So in, in every circumstance, in every situation, you look for the more. There's more here, you know. There's more to this account than what I'm seeing. There's more to this product line than what I'm seeing. There's there's more to this relationship. There's there's more. And see what happens is if you don't seek for more, 
you will never find it. So, like, I mean, just in a very practical sense, the salesperson says, there is more in this account. There is more in, in my territory than what I'm achieving. So once you tell yourself that and you believe it, then you look for it. And since you look for it, you find it because you're, you, because you're looking for it. And, and now as opposed to the people who say, well, I'm happy with what I'm doing. Okay, so you're not, your antenna are not attuned to looking for more. And you, you, you pass by opportunities that somebody who's got the mindset, you know, will, will see. So those are, you know, those are a couple. I mean, I have some more, but those, those are a couple that really, I think, are, are really necessary in, in today's rapidly changing turbulent world. That's wonderful, Dave. Now, I know a lot of businesses out there are somewhat reevaluating the, their approach in terms of outreach to prospects, you know, business mm-hmm. etiquette in regards to their sales department. And they don't want to be seen as a obnoxious disruptor. They want to be seen more as a positive disruptor. What do you think as far as mm-hmm. any type of advice on first steps into become more of a positive disruptor versus a time waster? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of the, a lot of uh, wasting time is because you're talking to the wrong people, you know, and, and we we can see that in a very in a very real sense, you know, like I get solicitations every day, an email that have absolutely nothing to do with me, so you're wasting my time because you haven't spent any time getting to know me, and getting to know my business. Now, those people who who take the time to understand me and my business, they're probably I mean, the chances of them wasting my time are dramatically decreased because they will understand who I am, what my business is, and, and what sort of needs we have. But, but the biggest time waster is for salespeople to, to spend time with people who are, the, who are the wrong people. They're just not right for your company or your service. And uh, so, so, so that leads us to a conclusion. And the conclusion is, we're going to spend a whole lot more time researching before we reach you know, so so that means you know, and and today you know we can do that at the drop of a hat, you know, with the click of a button. You can go to go to LinkedIn and research the company, research the people. You can go to their website. I mean, you can learn you can learn a lot about a company uh, before you even attempt to reach them, and and that's something I think uh, professional salespeople do that the average one of the mill salesperson doesn't because he doesn't want to put in the time and effort, and so the chances of you wasting your time and wasting the customer's time because they're not right for you is dramatically decreased if you spend a little time researching. So, you know, that's, a, that's a, like we have, we, uh, so one of the programs that we have is something called the sales master's approach to acquiring new customers. And, and we, t- we teach, I mean, we teach this a several step approach. And one of the steps is to research your suspects, turn them into prospects, and then one more time, go back and research the prospects and turn them into high priority identify the high priority. And those are the folks that you spend time trying to get to get, get, get to speak with. No, it makes sense. It, it makes perfect sense. Now, Dave, in regards to prospecting, do you think it's, or qualification rather, do you think qualifying the prospect is a lost art? Well, I sure hope not. You know, I, you know, I wouldn't think it's a lost art. I would think it's changed a lot because we, because before it was a whole lot more, uh, more laborious than it is now, you know, and typically uh, you couldn't really qualify a prospect until you'd speak, spoken with him. But today, because of all the information that's available, 
you know, you could qualify a, a prospect in a company without even talking to them. You can, you can understand them by some of the things that we've talked about. And so it's, it's certainly, it, I, I don't think it's a lost art. I think, I think it's changed. It's, it's morphed into something that is, you know, more, more research driven, more internet driven than it used to be. Sure. Now, in regards to business etiquette for salespeople, what are your thoughts on using a prospect's first name? You know, some say it puts you on the same level as the prospect. Others would rather err on the side of caution and say Mr. or Miss until they're told otherwise because it's a show of respect. What do you think about this? Well, I think it has a lot to do with who you are and your, you know, your, uh, your age, your education, your competency and your confidence relative to the uh, person that you're talking to. So if you know if you're if you're 22 years old and you're talking to a 55 year old uh, plant manager, I think it's inappropriate and rude for you to call him by his first name. Uh, so if, it, it, so you know it's it's so it's relative. A couple of things there that that speak to this issue are are your age and your capability, you know, and uh, so so that's that's one piece. And the other piece is. The, the prospect's age, the prospect's competency, the prospect's position. And if, if it's somebody who's, uh, who's got, you know, quite a bit more education, got 10 or 15 years on you, is in a senior position, I think you ought to be saying Mr. or Mrs. And uh, if it's somebody who's more your age in a, in a, in a position that isn't so senior, then I think you can, it's okay for you to say, uh, to use a first name. So it's, it's very situational. And, and those are the variables that kind of impact that. That's awesome. Now, Dave, a very hot topic right now, it's being heavily debated, is competitors. Should you talk down, quote unquote, your competitors? So, you know, do we box out the objections and be proactive with guiding prospects or looking out for your prospects? You know, if you know that many of your past clients have come to you from other companies and they've been lacking in certain areas, do you not have a duty to warn them? You know, if you've established solid rapport, you've done proper discovery, you understand the prospect's goals, the industry's pain, your competitor's weaknesses, do you not address that? Or do you wait until the prospect asks a specific question about your service in relation to your competitors? Do you bring it up? What do you think, Dave? What's your perspective on this uh, topic? Yeah, yeah. Well, can I tell a little story? I would love it. (laughs) Okay. So I was uh, in one of my first uh, professional sales positions. I was selling amplification equipment that was used in classrooms of hearing impaired children, believe it or not. And, uh, it, uh, you know, it's an industry. And there were, there were uh, three competitors. I had the high price spread. My product line was, the, was the, uh, 35% more expensive than the other two. But because it was a very small uh, world, everybody knew where all the deals were, and all three of us would show up for every deal, you know. And I, re- uh, uh, I had learned in, that our competitor, the, the, the comp- uh, I was selling this in the, uh, the state of Michigan, and, I, and there was a competitor in, in Detroit, and uh, they had a problem with their batteries. Of course, we're talking rechargeable batteries here and things like that. The kids wore, you know, they wore these amplifiers, and um, their batteries would shake loose. And they solved that problem by, by uh, taking a rubber band and sort of rubber banding it tight inside the unit. So anyway, I'm, I am, uh, we've got a big deal talking to the city of Detroit. They had four classrooms. That was a big purchase in those days. And I'm talking to a senior person. I forget, I forget her name, but she was a senior person and I'm demonstrating my, my, uh, my product. And I came to the batteries and I showed her, you know, how tightly the batteries were put in. And I said, it's, you know, this is, this is uh, of course different than our competitors who holds theirs in with rubber bands. 
and 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 she stopped me. Now, what I did what I did not know was that uh, she was a personal friend of the competitor salesperson. So, uh, she she stopped me and she you know basically ripped me up and down. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly the the most embarrassing sales call of my life. I remember turning bright red, having nothing to say, speechless. And, uh, and of course, we didn't get that deal. So I, uh, from that day on, you know, we learn lessons more so by our failures and from our successes because our failures are much more intense and, and painful. And so I, I learned the lesson, never speak badly about uh, com- competition. And, and I, I stick to that, uh, to that. I never speak badly about the competition. If someone, if someone brings the competition up, I'll acknowledge it and move on. I don't, I don't, I, I just don't share anything bad about them. Now, ha- having said that, let me give you a little a philosophical background and some, and some practical things you can do. So one of the things that I believe is that the competition, from my perspective, is irrelevant. Who cares? The only thing that matters is your needs and my ability, my product at my company, my ability to fill your needs. And if I have, if I've done a good job of selling, I've, you know, I've discovered your needs at, in a level that's deep and detailed, and I have created a proposal that, that, that addresses those needs in a way that's meaningful and, and has power, who cares what anybody else does? Who, who cares? I don't care about the competition. They're irrelevant. The only thing that matters is me and you. So, so that is my position. And, and uh, honestly, since that day forward, I have never, never brought a competition up or responded with anything negative about the competition. Now, there are times when you want to just make sure that the customer knows how you're different. And uh, what, I've, what I found to be something that's, that's really helpful is a little, a little checklist or a uh, set of questions, you know, so you can say, here's some, here's some questions you can ask of anybody selling this, ask them to me and anybody. And, um, and here's just a little checklist. You, you, here's what we have, you know, maybe a column. Here's, here's the 15 features or whatever of our product. And here's a column with X's that you can check. And then here's a couple extra blank columns. You can use this if you, if you'd like to compare product to product and just, you know, I just recommend you just Check, check the boxes for everybody that you're considering. You know, here's, a, here's a very thorough way to methodically look at that. And so you leave them that, you leave them that, and let them draw the conclusion. Don't you. Let them. So you can guide them. You can guide the, the customer through uh, basically through a series of questions, whether they're verbal or on paper, or tools that ask questions. You can, you can guide them to ask the questions. But I sure don't, I, uh, honestly, I don't recommend ever saying anything bad about the competition. Again, I, I just think it's irrelevant. Who, who cares? I don't care. Right. Now, Dave, question. If somebody is doing an apples-to-apples comparison and in the sales process, you've differentiated, so price is not an issue. You've conveyed your unique value proposition in the marketplace. You've done a needs analysis. You've looked at soft costs. You've established rapport. Everything is perfect. But they have a specific question about a competitor as far as mm-hmm your f- specific feature versus their specific feature and how you are better than that or how it, how it all comes together. How would you recommend somebody approaching that? Because obviously you want to respect the prospect and answer the question. Honestly, you don't want to just plead the fifth and move on and say, don't worry about your competitors. It's all about me. If they have an actual question, because I'm all about facts. I mean, if there's a fact, there's a fact. Hey, Mr. Customer, from what I've heard from my clients, 
this is what you want to look at, right? From what I've heard. To me, that's not really bashing the competition. It's just giving an honest assessment, guiding them in the right direction because you care about their business and you're stating a fact, right? What do you think about that, Dave? How would you address a question that comes up in the middle of a sales meeting when you're right at the finish line closing that deal? Well, if they're asking about a feature, you know, you can say, well, here's, here's, here's what ours does. And uh, if this is important to you, I'd recommend you, you investigate the others as well. So again, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the competition. So if they said, Dave, I I'm want to give you the question, opinion, you would just refuse to answer. No, my answer would be, here's what ours does. And this is why that's important to you. Now, if, if you'd like to find out, you know, what the others do, I recommend you ask about this. Ask them about see, it. You, you see? Yeah, yeah. See, here's, here's why. Your opinion is always suspect because you have a vested interest. You have a vested interest in getting to buy your thing. And so everybody knows that. So your opinion is suspect. I'd rather, I'd rather have him get it himself. So I'm going to say, here's what mine does, and here's why, you know, here's the feature, here's the benefit. This is why we think it's really important that you do this. And, and if, this, if this feature is important to you, then I'd recommend you, you just investigate this with, with anybody else you're thinking about. It puts you in a, in a place of uh, being a consultant, being on the customer's side, and still talking about your product. That's a great example, Dave. So in other words, if you're confident in your offering and you know the marketplace, you know your competitors, you know that if they go there, they're probably going to come back anyway. And I've had this happen where I remember I was speaking to somebody and they said, Brian, my buying process is this. We're going to circle back at the very end of the week and I'll make a decision. Absolutely fantastic. If you need anything, you know, I'm here. And I knew that person was going to price shop me. I knew they were going to go to the competitors and I knew what the competitors were going to tell them. And I knew this prospect. So I knew I didn't have to say anything. Of course, the very next day, he didn't wait to the end of the week. He came back the next day and said, Brian, let's do business. Uh, so yeah, I didn't have to box out any of those objections or address any of my competitors because I knew that I had it in the bag. So great, solid example, Dave. Uh, Dave, any final thoughts, anything you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap up our session today? Yeah, you know, these, uh, again, we are in uh, very turbulent times and uh, uh, the world is changing more rapidly than ever before. And I know, I know we are all fixated on, uh, on the COVID-19 crisis. From my perspective, the COVID-19 crisis is, is just the latest manifestation of a trend that is much deeper and much broader than, than that. And the, and the trend is uh, things changing at an increasingly fast rate. So, okay, so today we got COVID. You know what? When this is gone there's going to be something else. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a disease or, or what it's going to be, but it's going to be some other thing that's going to shake your world and, and cause you to, to wonder, you know, gee, things aren't the same. No, they're not the same. And uh, honestly, people who are waiting, hopefully waiting ex expectantly for things to get back to normal, understand there probably is no normal to get back to. Things are changing so rapidly, what we think is normal as something that was two years ago, that's not going to happen because things are changing. And because the world is changing so rapidly, you need, you need to build into your own self, you know, into your character, into your routines. You need to build in some things. I like, I, you know, I have a whole thing. I, I talk about sales and keels. You need to build some things in like a sail that moves you forward and you need to build in at the same time some keels that hold you down 
because it, our, our, our life, you know, our, a successful life is, li- is lived with a dynamic tension between what you want to, what pulls you forward, what holds you back. And you, gotta need, you need to do, do that thing kind of intentionally, methodically, and understand that your ability to change yourself and your organization is probably the single most important skill for the rest of your career. You can't just think it's going to happen. You got to do it intentionally, methodically. You got to, you, you just got to proactively say, I'm going to, I'm going to change myself. I'm going to change my organization because if I don't, I'm going to be left behind. I love it, Dave. Thank you for that. Uh, any big plans for Thanksgiving, Dave? What are you doing over the holidays? Interestingly enough, uh, my wife and I are both going to hang out. Uh, we usually have family over. We and you know we usually have a dozen people and we're not. We're gonna wow. we're we're just we're the two of us are gonna hang out and watch football games and uh, and uh, have dinner for ourselves and we're gonna be kind of uh, segregated I guess from the from the rest of the world for that day. Well, you have each other and that's very very important. Any uh, sneak peek of the menu? Well, let's see. It's gonna have a bird. <laughs> so you're sticking to traditional route. Yeah, 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 I think so. There you go, Dave. I love it. Thank you for everything. Uh, I have some great topics lined up for you and I for our future sessions, so I'm excited about that. Dave, have a wonderful rest of the day, a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, and uh, look forward to our next one. All right, Brian. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line.